1: Welcome to Mind Love Episode 78. Today's episode is all about the healing power of mushrooms and an incredibly inspiring story of success.
2: The more you know, the less you know you don't know type of things. And as the company has grown and as you become your CEO of a bigger team, you actually kind of learn that it's kind of the opposite of what you would assume it happens. At least for me, it's like I've had to learn a lot of vulnerability and sensitivity and softness and humility, realizing that I don't actually know much. That's been a big lesson on a personal development side. I guess on the business side, you realize that almost every problem or opportunity that the company has is tied to people.
1: Turn up your frequency with Mind Love, bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Have you tapped the subscribe button yet? More subscribers means even better guests and even more value. Plus it helps grow the show so more people can find it. And if you ask me, everyone can use a little more mind love. Hi friends and wild women. I am super excited about today's episode. I know I say that a lot, but I'm extra excited because I am turning 34 today. May 14th is my birthday, and I've been working on something behind the scenes that I think some of you are going to be really excited about. Mind Love now has a shop. Seriously, a shop, Shop shop.mindlove.com. And right now, we are launching mugs with super cute little sayings on them, including give your mind a little love, which is my personal favorite, my other personal favorite. Actually, they're all kind of my personal favorites, but I have another one that says wild woman. When I started talking about the wild woman, so many of you guys reached out to me and said you resonated with that term. I felt the exact same way when I heard it, so I'm so excited about this mug, and I also have another handful of what I think are really cute designs and really fun sayings. I'm going to be rolling out more as I come up with ideas or with suggestions from you guys. If you do have a suggestion and I actually use it, I will give you a free mug, so suggest away. I'm really picky with designs and typography and font choices, so hopefully you guys will love these as much as I do. I also figured the launch of the Mind Love Shop could not coincide more perfectly than with A, my birthday, and B, our super special guest today, the founder of Four Sigmatic Mushroom Coffee, which is a daily, multiple-time daily obsession of mine. If you listen often, you'll know that they're one of my sponsors. I have been raving about them week after week. You may not know that I was drinking magic mushroom coffee long before I ever started this podcast. And truth be told, I'm usually always drinking some mushroom coffee while recording this podcast. And for a lot of my sponsors, what I've done was taken products that I already... Am pretty diehard about, and I actually reach out to them and say, "Hey, I already love your stuff, so why don't you sponsor my show?" And this one happened to work out because, as life would have it, I ended up becoming acquainted with Taro, who is the founder of Four Sigmatic. He's friends with my friends, so I've seen him at a few different mastermind type events. Well, Taro is hugely inspiring. He came over here from Finland. He's lived in, I think, eight different countries. But he actually grew up foraging mushrooms on his farm with his family. He's been interested in health and wellness all of his life and decided to bring that lifelong knowledge of the benefits of mushrooms to the masses and in a totally new way. For the most part, some of these really functional mushrooms with really powerful benefits were only really available to the elite. I mean, have you ever tried to buy decadent mushrooms at the farmer's market? You basically have to give up your firstborn or your designer dog, whichever one you love more. No, but really, a lot of mushrooms are really expensive. So Taro had a dream to make them not only affordable, but accessible to a wider range of people. So today, for the first part of the interview, we're going to be talking about some of the crazy benefits of mushrooms and how they can enhance your life, including your immune system, metabolism, energy levels, physical performance, aging, longevity, your skin, and even your cognitive ability. The way your brain works depends on this episode, guys. Well, the second half of this episode, we're going to learn what it took to become as successful as Tarot's become. Tarot didn't just face the challenges of starting a business, which as many of us know, so many businesses fail. The route of the entrepreneur is difficult to say the least. But Tarot also had to face the challenges of doing all of that as an immigrant. This episode has so much gold in it, especially if you are considering forging your own path. Or, shall we say, foraging your own path. (laughs) Okay, I'll stop. Today, there's more than three key things we will learn. The magical healing and enhancing power of mushrooms. How much coffee is good for you and when it becomes harmful. A prediction into the next wave of health and a secret tip about chocolate that may have changed my life, guys. And I'm not even touching on all the business tips we're going to learn in the last half of this episode. And if at any point during this episode you just need to stop and get yourself some mushroom coffee, I don't blame you. Use the code MINDLOVE for 15% off your entire order. And I have one more surprise in honor of my birthday and the Mind Love shop. If you do make a purchase using the Mind Love code from Four Sigmatic, send me a screenshot or some sort of proof of order, and you will be in a drawing to win one of five of the new Mind Love mugs, and you get to choose your mug. Keep in mind that everyone always assumes that so many people enter contests like this so they feel like they don't have a lot of hope. But consider the fact that there is way more friction in winning a contest from a podcast than, say, on a website. So just keep in mind, you actually have a pretty good chance of winning if you decide to participate. And really, just imagine it. How amazing would it feel to spice up your morning routine with some delicious mushroom coffee or matcha or chai latte or golden milk in an adorable, inspiring, mind-love mug? Before we dive in, I want to share the easiest way to start each day with a positive mindset. Thousands of other wild women are loving my daily morning Mind Love emails. They're short daily reminders of your own beauty, magic, and power that are the perfect addition to your morning routine. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. You'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. First, you'll get a really cool free booklet of powerless based on proven principles from the most successful people to automate your best self. Plus, you'll get a free guided affirmation meditation It's set to a magical binaural frequency known as the Miracle Tone, which is known to make you a magnet for love, health, and abundance. The layered affirmations perfectly tune your frequency for personal transformation. Go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word MORNING to 33777. That's MORNING to 33777. And now let's welcome, I'm going to butcher this name, but Tero Isocaupara to the show. We'll just call him Tarot.
2: <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Melissa.
1: Well, I am actually currently drinking a Four Sigmatic Matcha Latte right now. So I feel like I'm going to be really immersed in this topic today.
2: Well, good. We all need some shrooms in our day, right? Beyond A little bit of on shrooms.
1: Yeah, I've been telling my audience about your shrooms for a while now. What's your favorite product?
2: No, I can't answer that. That's like, what's your favorite <laughs> child? But I am always experimenting, so I'm always trying new products that might have not have been launched. And But that being said, I, I just finished like one month travel around New Zealand, Asia, and North America. So I've been drinking a lot of chaga during those travels, but can not choose a favorite.
1: So there are a lot of mushrooms, and I don't want to get too technical and into the nitty gritty too early because then it's just spewing a bunch of facts that nobody's going to remember. But I do want to talk about chaga because that one keeps coming up. What are the benefits of chaga and when is the best time to drink it?
2: Yeah, it can get confusing if you have not used to the world of mushrooms like many of us haven't. So when you in any way start to learn anything new, whatever it is, it's in the beginning can be overwhelming. So what I just want to tell everyone is like, don't worry about the mushroom number 27 or 42, or even the mushroom number eight. Just focus on like two, three, four, five tops and just kind of learn their benefits. And chaga might be one of the first that you should look into. It's often known as the king of all mushrooms. Incredibly high in antioxidants, particularly melanin and a super antioxidant called SOD or dismutase. So antioxidants are great, not just for longevity, but they're great for travel. Or if you generally are in a stressful situation in life. So I like to use jog a lot when I travel or, or if I'm exposed to the sun a lot. So those are two times when I drink it. And you can drink it in the morning or evening. I tend to drink it in the morning or afternoon, but you could also have it late at night. And there's no caffeine and there's no sugar and it's vegan and paleo. And all the boxes are kind of like suitable for most diets. So that's, I think, a pretty useful one
1: how many mushrooms are there? There's like a million and a half or something. Crazy, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, the true answer is nobody knows, myself included. We just don't know because we haven't discovered all of them. So that million and a half comes from kind of the head of international mycology and that based on studies to show that there's about six times more fungal species in a certain small area compared to plant species. So That's how that number came. But some people say 2 million, 4 million. There's numbers throwing out, but I think that's a pretty credible number. There's about 1.5 million types of mushrooms or six times more varieties of mushrooms or fungi than there are varieties of plants.
1: I know you have a pretty intimate relationship with mushrooms. You actually grew up foraging them. Tell us a little bit more about your background that eventually inspired your mushroom business.
2: Yeah. As you might figure from the difficult name, um, I didn't grow up in the U.S. I was born and raised in Finland near the town of Nokia, famous for the mobile phones. And I grew up on our family farm. I'm a 13th generation farmer and a mushroom enthusiast. And the farm is now kind of under the supervision of myself and my brother. And grew up foraging, kind of learned from mushrooms early on from my mom when I was like Quite small, kind of yay high with me and my brother, went out foraging with my mom for berries and mushrooms, and she taught us about chanterelles and bolides and things like that, kind of the more common culinary mushrooms and then my great grandfather would helped build an environmental school where foraging was also part of the curriculum so in my elementary school that would also be a part of it and then I went later to study chemistry and nutrition and kind of learn more about the health benefits of or nutrition in general, and then kind of Very randomly discovered about 14 years ago, a rare mushroom, then won an innovation award for it. And that kind of got me deeper into it. But my company for Sigmatic was started 70 years ago, mostly from the idea of using these functional mushrooms. So there's culinary mushrooms that you eat mostly for flavor and culinary purposes. So that is your chanterelles and morels and porcinis of the world. And then there are these functional mushrooms that serve other purposes, like Healing your gut, supporting with your immunity, supporting with occasional stress, or helps with kind of brain power. So, those are things that I'm more passionate about than serving the 1% with expensive culinary mushrooms. So, that's kind of led me to start for Sigmatic.
1: So, when you were growing up foraging mushrooms, what was the purpose for your family? Were you guys selling the mushrooms? Was it just an interest, or is it just really common to be foragers in Finland?
2: I guess a combination of all of them. Uh, Obviously, foraging is much more popular in Finland than it is here. So I feel like almost every family goes out foraging at some capacity. There is a rule called every man's right or the free to roam. And that means that if, for example, our family owns quite a lot of forest, but anybody in Finland is allowed to go to our forest and pick up our mushrooms and berries. Even though it's our land, we don't own the land. Everybody has the free to roam. So you can go to any forest. You can cut trees, but you're allowed to forage for mushrooms and berries and pick them up from the any forest. So that's kind of part of the culture. And it's obviously, for that reason, probably it's also more common for people to go pick wild mushrooms and berries. But also, I grew it just because my mom comes from really poor backgrounds and she's using wild food since she was a kid just for economic purposes. Wild food is free. It takes time and effort to collect, but it's incredibly nutrient-dense and also So it made sense for her to kind of learn how to use those wild ingredients and what Mother Nature has to offer purely because their family couldn't afford when she was young, couldn't afford to spend a lot of money on food. So that came out of necessity. But my dad's side of the family, where the farm comes from, has a much longer lineage of using mushrooms for various purposes in general, using the forest and the land to provide economic purposes as well and sell various food ingredients, mostly oats, but also other things like that.
1: So were you the first person in your family to really forge that entrepreneurial path? Or did you have somebody that was able to pass down some of that knowledge?
2: Yeah, I don't think people realize that every farmer is an entrepreneur. It might not be the sexiest startup or scalable business to take care of the land, but farmers definitely are entrepreneurs, all of them. So I grew up in an entrepreneurial mindset, not maybe in the most scalable international way, but definitely grew up in a family of farmers. The idea of kind of forging your own path was a big part of it and even filing taxes and using tax deductions for farm equipment and stuff like that was what I learned early on is that you pay taxes on the profits, not on your income. So,
1: Let's dive back into the benefits of some of these mushrooms because I kind of need to given that I am I Don't want to say addictive. That <laughs> word has so many negative yeah. connotations. And gosh, just one more thing to pass your addictive tendencies on to Melissa. So I guess the first question I should ask you then is, can you have too many mushrooms? Because I might be teetering that line. Yeah,
2: no, they are generally regarded as food. Like the amount you would have to consume is just ridiculous. Same way as you can overeat on carrots or you can drink too much water. It is possible to overdose on pretty much everything, but. Amount you would have to consume these mushrooms are pretty high. So I wouldn't be worried about having one, two, three cups a day. That's totally fine. That being said, there's probably a level after the, I don't know, the fifth cup or sixth cup when the benefits kind of plateau. So I'm not sure if it's worth the effort beyond a certain point. But what are your favorite products? What are the ones that you like to take daily?
1: Well, I really love matcha in general. And before you guys even offered matcha, I bought a whole matcha whisk and an expensive brevel breville I can never say that word, brevel thro frother. <laughs> Pro tip guys, if you're starting a company, make sure you can actually pronounce the name of your brand. <laughs> but I love playing with my matcha flavors. So sometimes I'll add a little bit of almond extract mm-hmm. or other times I'll add some turmeric and cinnamon. For a while I add maple extract. So I love playing with my matcha combinations and your traditional matcha allows me to do that. Yeah. But I've been traveling a lot lately and a lot of the other things you sell come in these little travel size packets. So I've really been loving the mocha. I also love the golden milk in the evening. Ooh, the reishi cacao is so good. I have an order of the chai latte coming, and I also have some of the chocolate coming. To be perfectly honest, I have not tried one that I don't like.
2: And have you tried the matcha latte? Have you tried the travel version of the matcha?
1: Yeah, that's actually really good, too. I do feel that I love the ritual behind making my own froth and that one doesn't really need it although i have tried mixing it instead of water i'll use my frother to heat up the milk and just add the packet to that and it makes it extra
0: creamy
2: yeah it's like a vegan paleo latte with coconut milk powder so it's dairy free and sugar free so it's we're trying to be more inclusive versus exclusive a lot of health brands tend to be a little more exclusive and we're trying to figure out like what are the recipes and formulations that fit most common diet. So that's kind of a one attempt. So the original matcha contains a mushroom called lion's mane, which has become in the last few years, very popular. When I started the company about seven years ago, that was not very popular. Actually, a lot of people did not realize the power of lion's mane. lion's mane is used for cognitive function. It's known as the smart mushroom. So monks used to use it before meditation And there's some pretty interesting research on that and nerve growth factors of how using lion's mane for that. And I think uh, just in the last few years, the people's interest on various cognitive boosting substances or nootropics, as they're sometimes referred to, has grown a lot. And I think lion's mane is one of the kind of food form safe ways to support your brain with cool nutrients. So I think adding that to coffee or matcha, which both can be used for cognitive function, is pretty fascinating. So I think coffee and matcha are best used when you have to do some serious thinking or work. And then when you double down and add lion's mane to it, you probably get a more kind of an even effect without the jitters, but also it supports further supports the
0: thinking part.
1: I have some questions about lion's mane because I've heard amazing things for what it can do for your cognitive ability, like actually being able to focus at work. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, The Dr. John Deloney Show is here for you. Listen to The Dr. John Deloney Show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. Lion's Mane is what you put in your focus shots as well, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. that's. that's
1: Those are delicious.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
1: No, seriously, I love them. I wasn't expecting to because I don't like energy drinks, and I don't think I've ever actually enjoyed any sort of little energy shot. So I assumed it would have that chemical flavor, but it doesn't. And it's been so vital for me because I've been going to these day-long trainings for public speaking and sometimes we're there for 12 hours and it's the perfect afternoon pick-me-up
2: yes if you're listening focus shot is think of almost like a five-hour energy type bottle of like a two two and a half ounce shot that is shelf staple and you can just cut it down and it gives you a very high dose of lion's mane mushroom and, and an adaptogen another adaptogen that's good for the focus is called rhodiola and b vitamins But it also has a little bit of caffeine from this Amazonian herb called Guyasa. Guyasa is a very antioxidant, polyphenol-rich, naturally caffeine-containing leaf that if you brew it, you can make basically tea. So our focus shot would equal to like a cup of tea with all these functional mushrooms and adaptogens and B vitamins to further support cochlear function. It's hopefully provides similar benefits so people what you're used to having more artificial energy drinks and shots. But in this case, you get it from organic sources in a much more sustainable way. So it doesn't give you the crash or the jitters, but it also is nourishing your body without depleting it from further effects the next day. So hopefully it's more sustainable energy while still giving you that immediate boost that a lot of people are looking for.
1: That's actually a good point. So I'm the kind of person that isn't super affected by caffeine. It's only happened a couple of times where I've noticed it, but I can slam a cup of coffee and go to sleep and I don't really get jittery. Mm-hmm. I'm barely certain that that has something to do with the fact that I was on copious amounts of Adderall for a good decade of my life mm-hmm. and my body's tolerance to stimulants is a little jacked up. So other than just the jitters and insomnia, what are some of the other downsides of having too much coffee or caffeine?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of people struggle with caffeine. So it's a pretty big thing and pretty common problem that people have. And I just want to start with the good news. So rather than starting with something <laughs> super negative, let me start with something very positive. The positive thing is coffee or green tea other the sources of caffeine are not bad for you. So hopefully most people get comfortable with the fact that coffee or green tea and other common sources of whole food caffeine are not bad for you. They're actually, coffee is the highest source of antioxidants in the American diet. Partly because people don't eat enough vegetables, sure, but also partly because people could benefit from some of these polyphenols and antioxidants that you can find in products like coffee or green tea. So the problem is that a lot of people drink too much coffee or caffeine and in low quality. So I believe the average cup of coffee in America is over 3, something like 3.1 cups a day. So one cup of coffee is somewhere around 80 to 100 and actually 200 milligrams of caffeine, so let's call it around number 100. So you're having 300 milligrams of caffeine a day and you probably somewhere between 150 to 200 milligrams is probably the top. So we're having Too much of something that it can be good for us. So kind of the rule of thumb is that one cup of coffee or tea is good pretty much daily. Second cup is sometimes and third cup of coffee is never a good idea. So some of the side effects people can get is like insomnia, jitters, anxiety. I believe 81 million Americans daily have those problems. So it's pretty common and people constantly kind of struggle with that. I would say that. If you're having struggles with coffee, or if you're not having struggles with coffee, you probably are going to get a lot of quality out of that by focusing on quantity and quality of both of those. So when we talk about quality, we're talking about things that some coffees have, such as pesticides and mycotoxins. But we're also talking about having a more fresh bean that has more of those antioxidants So if you're gonna have coffee, you should have it from a source where you get plenty of these antioxidants. And then on the quantity side, I think replacing one cup of coffee with maybe a cup of green tea or matcha might already make it a lot more sustainable. So having one cup of coffee and one cup of matcha might be a lot more healthier than having three cups of coffee. And then using these mushrooms and adaptogens to further reduce the negative and harmful effects while still adding other kinds of nutrients is also a smart idea, so. Step one, be mindful of the quality of coffee you drink. Step two, be mindful of the quantity. Maybe replace one cup of coffee with something caffeine-free or with a green tea or matcha. And then third, try creating these upgraded blends where you add things like L-Phanine or adaptogens like ashwakanda or ulcero rhodiola, or mushrooms like chaga, lion's mane, maitake into your practices. And that way you can still continue to enjoy your cup of coffee or tea while while having less of these harmful effects.
1: I also have your basic mushroom mix at home. So I was making my matcha latte this morning and my husband was having coffee and I asked him, do you want mushrooms in your coffee? And he was like, why? And I was like, because adaptogens. And he was like, what's an adaptogen? So let's clear the air. What is an adaptogen?
2: Well, you're asking all the good questions. I think adaptogens is a word that has gotten a lot of hype recently, and that can also be very confusing for people. But it's nothing new. Adaptogens, what are now referred to as adaptogens, have been used for thousands of years by humans. We just figured out some kind of new labeling. And the story of adaptogens really starts in the Soviet Union, where the Soviet army had figured out that if you give soldiers, stimulants like amphetamine, by the way, kind of think of like how many students, but also soldiers run on amphetamines. So like you said, Adderall, and those can boost performance on a short term, but can have negative effects the following day. So even when I had to go to the air force, I was given stimulants and then you're kind of like on fire for a certain while, and then you have this drop. So the Soviet army gave this famous doctor, Dr. Lazarov, a task is like, Hey, Can you find something that will boost the performance of the soldiers cognitively, improve their stamina and strength without having the negative downsides? And after Lazarov went through multiple different options, found a few different herbs that have been used for a long time that will basically help your body to adapt to stress, hence the name adaptogen. So they help your body to adapt to stress and improve your performance without a letdown the following day. So, in order for something to be an adaptogen, it needs to be three things. One, it must be a non habit forming and non-toxic. So basically that already removes coffee and caffeine from the list because you get addicted to coffee as well. So that would not fit the list. Nicotine is another one that can boost performance, but it's not safe on a daily basis. You get accustomed to it or Adderall. Those would be not adaptogens because of this first rule. So first rule is safe to take basically daily. Second, one that it is non specific. So, something that is an adaptogen will probably help your immunity out of your concurrent function. And this can be hard sometimes for people to understand that something is non specific, but it helps with multiple body functions. And then, third rule, it restores balance. So, it's not a stimulative like coffee or nicotine, it, and it's not sedative like Valeriana or chamomile, but it works two directionally. So, you could have this in the morning and in the evening, and it will help you either have energy or sleep deeper, depending on what your body needs. So famous adaptogens include things like ginseng and ashwagandha, and mushrooms like reishi and maybe shiitake. So those are just some common adaptogen examples.
1: Let's talk cordyceps, because this is an ingredient that has been popping up a lot in the fitness industry. And cordyceps helps performance, right?
2: Yeah, it increases the VO2 max, so the maximum oxygen intake. And you can perform better in sports and have more energy if you have more oxygen in your lungs and in your body. So it kind of boosts performance if you're an athlete or you just want more energy naturally.
1: And you breezed over one that I recognized, maitake. And I've heard that that one can actually curb your appetite. So tell us a little bit about maitake.
2: Maitake, just like many other mushroom names, the name comes from Japan. It's Japanese. So shiitake, reishi, Inoki, those are all Japanese names. A lot of the original kind of research and use comes from Japan, although Scandinavia, Russia, and even Brazil have been pioneers in some of these mushroom consumption for health benefits. So, But maitake means the dancing mushroom. Mai means to dance. Taki means mushroom. So you find it in shiitake, inoki-taki, machutaki. That means mushroom. And the reason is that the Samurais, who were otherwise known very stoic, would dance out of joy when they found this mushroom. So it is incredibly delicious, but it can be also used for controlling your hunger levels and keeping your hunger at bay. And it has these extremely good and well-researched polysaccharides that are good for immunity and whole body wellness. So talk is definitely on the kind of the more studied of all the mushrooms probably behind things like reishi chaga and shiitake.
1: And reishi is another mushroom that's getting a lot of buzz these days, at least here in America. I don't know when it started getting the buzz in other countries, probably much earlier. But I know that reishi has really powerful immune-supporting properties. It can fight cancer. It, It helps with depression and fatigue.
2: Yeah, if chaga is the king of all mushrooms, reishi is the queen. And Rishi is the most studied of all the mushrooms. Actually, it was so studied that it was voted as the number one herb in the traditional Chinese medicine Materia Medica above all the other herbs. So everything that the traditional Chinese medicine back in the day would list as something you could eat for health, Rishi was ranked as the healthiest thing you can put in your body. So there's a lot of research on Rishi. And although Rishi has many different benefits, I would recommend using it in the afternoon or evening to support with occasional stress and support with sleep. It is a very strong adaptogen and can be used for other purposes as well, but I recommend it in afternoon and evening.
1: So you're probably the most knowledgeable person I've ever met in my life on mushrooms. I'm also sure that's not really a hard place to fill in my life. <laughs> but when were you inspired to take all of this history and foraging and all of this knowledge in mushrooms and Turn it into a business.
2: I joke that uh, mushroom chose me versus me choosing mushrooms. I didn't like plan to start a mushroom company. It's multiple times in my life. Mushrooms have come back to my life, and that's why I kind of joke around. But the reason why I started the company was that I'd had a previous kind of a food business that was not passionate about it. I didn't see how it could change the world 10, 15 years ago. I didn't have a lot of access to capital, and I didn't know how to compete with the large companies like Nestle and Pepsi. And then about 10 years ago, slowly I started seeing my friends and people around me start blogs about nutrition and food. And they had, for the first time, basically a free channel how to reach people and share, at that time, unconventional ways of improving health and wellness, from fasting to higher quality of water to adaptogens. And I realized that Heck, now with the quote-unquote web 2.0, with first with blogs, then Facebook and social media, we can share ideas that before it was controlled by a few large companies and large media, and now more radical ideas can spread if people find them actually useful. So that was very inspirational. And at that time, my view was that what is the next phase in nutrition? And I call it kind of the fourth wave in nutrition and health the first wave being just natural and organic. So think of, Melissa, think of like buying granola, but this time buying organic granola. That was the first wave. The second wave was when you started optimizing for macronutrients. So macronutrients are proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. So maybe have granola that had less fat or granola that had more protein, right? So that was the second wave. And that was what was common 10 years ago. So that was the trend that I saw when I was about to start the company was that everybody was optimizing, you know, lower high fat or less carbs and less sugar, more protein. And then soon after that became like the third wave, which was focused on micronutrients, so vitamins and minerals. And at that time, I already knew that there would be something beyond all of those kind of smart nutrients. So adaptogens and functional mushrooms qualifies that and probiotics and gut health qualifies that. You can't really, enzymes or prebiotics can really, you don't eat them for, because they're necessarily organic or you don't eat them because they have protein or you don't eat them because they have micronutrients. You eat them because they help your body to have better digestion, better cognitive function, better immune function, and basically like better hormonal balance. So that's kind of why you end up using them. And that's why I started the company. And as I was doing the analyzes, I realized that mushrooms help with all of these things, cognitive function, immune support, hormonal balance, digestive health. So that's why I basically wanted to kind of get back on mushrooms.
1: I love highlighting stories where people take either the unique experiences that they had when they were young or a struggle they had, basically their unique value proposition or whatever it may be, and actually turn that into their purpose or their passion. What were some of the struggles you had along the way in actually creating a profitable business from this? I'm sure it wasn't easy to convince people to drink mushrooms (laughs) starting off.
0: risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back. No questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinkelement.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really
1: need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. what were some of the struggles you had along the way in actually creating a profitable business from this? I'm sure it wasn't easy to convince people to drink mushrooms (laughs) starting off.
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, if the value proposition is me with an odd Finnish name coming from overseas and moving to the US, and my dream was to convince all the Americans to drink mushrooms. As you (laughs) saw with your husband, it's a tall order. So it's like, oh, why would I ever drink mushrooms, right? So a lot of education was required, but education will only get your like to understand how things are. If you create products that are difficult to use or taste bad or too expensive, that's gonna limit how many people will actually start using, even if they know what's good for them. We all know people who know how to change their health for the better, for example, by going to the gym or whatnot, but it basically doesn't mean they're gonna do it. So how do you build compliance into people's health? And uh, that was a bigger challenge I needed to solve. So obviously education is one, but secondly is like, how do you make mushrooms taste good? And how I solved that was just like kind of reverse engineering American people's nutritional balance. A lot of these mushrooms and adaptogens taste bitter. They don't taste like what you would assume mushrooms to taste. They taste more like black tea or dark chocolate. So by using things like bitters like coffee and cacao as a way to mask their bitter flavors was a way how you can make the you know flavor more palatable. So that's why two of our most popular products are mushroom coffee and mushroom cocoa, because the cacao or the coffee in those products kind of mask the bitter flavors of, of what otherwise might be not enjoyable to a lot of palates.
1: So real talk, your business is hugely successful. It's gotten the attention of celebrities. It's been everywhere, Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, and I really see you as on the forefront of making functional mushrooms trendy, which isn't an easy feat, but it's so easy to kind of be at the beginning of your idea or, you know, at the beginning of a difficult market to crack and feel like it might be impossible and watch other people and think maybe it came easy for them. So what are some of the struggles that you've dealt with along the way?
2: It's definitely not been smooth. Actually, when I started the company, I assumed I would struggle. So because of those struggles, I didn't stop because it was difficult, but it was massively difficult. So the first like two and a half years, I couldn't pay myself any salary. So I have to live off of savings and other kind of side hustles. I even moved from Switzerland where cost of living was very high to live in Asia, where I would have less expenses while the company kind of took off. So There's a lot of difficulty, but I already kind of expected it. So I was able to prepare for it more. But some of the bigger hurdles was like kind of chronically out of stock. Even if the company was like successful, having enough money for inventory alone was difficult, even if we were not even paying for salaries. So that was some of the early day challenges. And then obviously convincing people to drink mushrooms. The amount of funny faces I've received over the years is pretty ridiculous. So cash kind of getting things established then later hiring people was definitely surely difficult. And then I launched the company in 2012 and I brought it to the U.S. in 2015. So when I brought it to the U.S., you know, being here as the first employee and being an immigrant, I was actually a lot harder, even though this is, I've lived in eight other countries between the U.S. and Finland. And being different countries, this is kind of the first country where I truly felt myself as an immigrant, where opening a bank account was difficult. And Getting a driver's license was incredibly difficult and going to the DMV and not being able to lease an apartment because I didn't have any FICO score was like just kind of the day-to-day stuff that for a lot of American entrepreneurs is like a non-issue because there was already been taken care of was like added difficulty that I had as coming here as an immigrant.
1: Those are such basics that so many of us take for granted. Were those struggles U.S. specific or did you ever feel that in any of the other countries that you lived in?
2: Only the U.S. I've lived in third world countries and developed countries. And U.S. was the first one where I actually felt like an immigrant. Maybe it's just a symptom of time or something else. But yeah, this is the first country where I felt myself as an immigrant.
1: So other than the logistics, the logistical hardships of launching a company in the U.S., I'm fascinated by the psyches of different cultures. So what has been different about really selling to the American population compared to first launching in Finland?
2: Well, Selling is always can be difficult and it can also be very easy. So if you're passionate and truly believe in what you're selling, selling is a lot easier. So I've sold things that I didn't personally enjoy when I was young and I needed to make money. And I was like in my first job's That was really difficult, but I believe in these mushrooms. I felt them in my body. I know the research, so it doesn't almost even feel like selling. I'm just telling my story and my own experiences. So that makes it a lot easier. The other part that can make selling either very easy or very difficult is who are you talking to? Like what I do is if you don't believe that natural can be better than synthetic solutions, it's pretty hard to believe in the power of mother nature and the healing power of mushrooms, right? So... But if you do believe that nature has wisdom that we've yet to fully understand with modern day science, then it might be a lot easier. So it's also like, how well do you know who are you talking to and what are their desires? But what has been different for Sigmatic now sells in over 60 countries and what's different about the U.S. consumer and maybe some other markets is in the U.S. Granted, different states have different things. So you can't compare Montana and Florida or California and Vermont, right? (laughs) So there's differences (laughs) within the US as well. But definitely, people have very short attention span. They're like, hey, just give it to me quick. Like, why would I take this? Like, there isn't time for a long conversation. They want to get to the point very quickly. They want to know very fast what's in it for me. And if you can answer that question, they're very open to changing their behavior versus maybe, let's say in France, you have the people are willing to take their time to study topics but they might not be as eager to change their coffee ritual to include mushrooms if the whole life they've been drinking some of their favorite espresso. So I think Americans are more open to change and new approaches. So that's good about the American consumer is willing to try new stuff. if It can make them feel better, but then they also want to get to the benefits very quickly and they don't have time to, I don't have time for this. Just tell me what it's for. And then (laughs) They often want a solution, like not only why are mushrooms and adaptogens good for you, that you often American consumer wants a protocol, like a plan. So tell me, what do I take in the morning? What do I take in the afternoon? What do I take in the evening? And you have to kind of simplify, like mushrooms can be very confusing and very holistic. And I find that a lot of. Our U.S.-based customers just want to simplify what is quite complex and break it down so that they just know what should they take in the morning, afternoon, and evening. And once you do that, they're more open to different approaches and different kind of ways of dealing. So every culture has their pros and cons. and the Finnish culture itself, is not perfect either. So I'm just excited to learn from all these different cultures, including the American.
1: I feel like the process of launching anything or taking your passion from your head out and manifesting it into the real world, there's so much growth that happens there. For example, I feel like I can't even count the things that I've learned since launching Mind Love. But one of the things is just in connecting with people. My ability to hold conversation is just so much different than it used to be before. I spent so much time diving into interviews and learning how to get people to share their Secrets in their life with me. What have been some of the biggest parts of yourself that have developed through this journey? Yeah,
2: there's so many things to talk about, but I think vulnerability has been one. In separating, obviously, vulnerability and confidence as different topics, but kind of a classic thing is that the more you know. The less you know, you don't know type of things. And as the company has grown and as you become, a, have a, your CEO of a bigger team, you actually kind of learn that it's kind of the opposite of what you would assume it happens. At least for me, it's like I've had to learn a lot of vulnerability and sensitivity and softness and humility, um, realizing that I don't actually know much. And that's been a big lesson on a personal development side. I guess on the business side, you realize that almost every problem or opportunity that the company has is tied to people. So sure, you can talk about very technical and tactical things, but at the end of the day, usually the company's success or its biggest challenges are because you don't have the right people or you have the people in wrong positions or just generally the wrong people (laughs) in general. And that happens a lot. And that's a big lesson. And managing people is definitely always difficult and not the easiest task. So those are just some of the big themes I've learned over the years.
1: How do you weed through the wrong fits when you're hiring someone? I know a lot of us out there are starting or growing businesses or at least have a dream to do so. So what are some of your hiring tips to make sure that you have somebody that's going to fit within the culture of the company?
2: I used to work in recruitment and I've noticed that no matter how much time and energy you spend on it, you will never have a 100% success rate. But how high of a success rate you have is also like how much thought and care and analyzes you put to hiring. So some of the things that I found pretty useful for all kinds of companies is looking at it as a process with stages. And you can let the person go to the next stage before you figure out if they pass the first stage. And the first stage is can they get the job done? And all the other factors, what's their salary request or their cultural fit, doesn't matter if they can't get the job done. And I recommend doing tests, some sort of a test, even a micro test in job interview process to figure out, can they get the job done? So if they're a designer, give them a file and watch them design in front of you. If they're a customer service person, give them a phone and see the, how they treat a customer in a, or a fake or real customer in a situation. So testing if they can get the job done in some way before you make the higher decision is really valuable. The next part is the cultural fit. It's like, do they fit into the culture? So into having org- interviews where the only focus is to figure out if they fit the team and the culture. And the best way to do that is spend time outside of work. So maybe go bowling with the job <laughs> candidate or something <laughs> like that and get to know them as a human being and how they operate outside of work. And that requires time and effort, and that can be some people in a hurry to hire, so it doesn't always happen, but I highly recommend meeting people in non-work environments or having mutual friends where you can kind of check their backgrounds in different ways. And only after you figured out that they, A, they can do the job, B, they fit the team, is like, what is their growth potential? How much they can grow? What's their upside? And then what is it going to cost you time and money-wise to bring this person on board? And those are the questions that we ask. We've also kind of stolen a page from, I believe, originally from Amazon of like trying to hire someone who's 50% better than our current team. So kind of raise the average, raise the bar. So when somebody comes to our team, even if they're a suitable candidate, but we don't feel like they will raise our average of our employees' skill sets and knowledge, we don't want to hire them. So we want the company average to constantly keep growing slowly, but surely, as the company also evolves.
1: Earlier, you mentioned the different waves in the health industry, and you touched on that one of them you anticipated coming. And being on the forefront of an industry like making functional mushrooms trendy, <laughs> you must be fairly intuitive in at least the wellness field. So I'm curious, what do you see coming up next in wellness or any upcoming trends?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure if it's intuitive or more just, just living it. I've lived that, this industry my whole life and just seeing it firsthand. And just like with anything else, there's basically like a way how things mature. I mean, technology is the one that is the most studied, but there are pioneers of certain technology and then they have early adapters. And then there's a chasm before it hits the early majority and then late majority and laggard. So I think you can look at it from the use of mobile phones or the use of smartphones or now maybe with artificial intelligence or virtual reality. Like there's a certain technology that comes that first is used by just a handful of people. It's expensive. It's complicated to use. And as the solutions get cheaper and better, and people get more used to the previous solutions, then it's more likely that they adopt it. And the same is true for health. Us humans, we always want to get better. We always want to improve. It's just like you can't improve radically always. So it takes a moment. So just following where are people currently in their behavior patterns and What are ways how low hanging fruits, how they can improve their health with small dietary or lifestyle changes? And what I think will happen by at large in nutrition is what I mentioned was the kind of the smart nutrients will get increasingly more important. So people will stop debating, should you have high protein, low fat, low fat, high carb, whatever. I think the debate between macronutrient splits will become less active. I think the debate between multivitamins will get less active and people will start to use ingredients that improve their hormonal balance, their digestive health, their cognitive function, their immunity. And I think those will become increasingly more popular and people will realize that the body is more of a symphony than a single instrument. And by adding synthetic vitamin C, you're probably not helping your body that much to deal with the everyday stress and challenges that we all face. So I think some of these more smart nutrients will get popular. I think a great example of that is the beauty world, where I think people are finally catching on to the fact that ingestible beauty, and that is a huge factor. And I think people are realizing what you eat is what's going to eventually also create the quality of your skin and how your skin looks. And it's not just the things you put on your skin, but also what you eat, what helps to build that skin. So I think that's also a big trend on the beauty side.
1: That is so true. I actually remember this time I was out with my cousin and my cousin was the one who introduced me to the vegan diet. So she's a nutritionist and she had been sharing all of these tips with me and she's just obsessed with nutrition. So she's always my go-to person when it comes to anything food related. Well, I remember one time being out with her And she told me she wasn't eating a certain kind of food. And I can't remember what type of food it was. I just remember it wasn't one of the usual suspects that people remove from their diets, like sugar and gluten or meat. She had already removed all of those. (laughs) So I asked her why. And she said that recently she had been getting little red spots on her skin. So she was eliminating one food item at a time so she could find what the culprit was. And I remember being amazed because I didn't really realize there was such an alchemy to it. I didn't realize you can drill down one specific food item that might be causing you to look different or act different. I thought it was more of a sum of all the parts or your overall diet.
2: Yeah. Well, there are things that hurt our skin, so common allergens or things that irritate our gut and our hormones. So if your hormones are out of whack, your probably skin is out of whack. If your digestive health is out of whack, you're probably also your skin is out of whack. So back to those kind of key themes that really are the big needle movers in our health and well-being. And although topical skincare can help moisturize your skin today and tomorrow, at the end of the day, what's the quality of the cells that create that skin is the huge factor on how your skin looks like. And if your body's irritated by a nutrient or a food that your body finds discomfort in digesting because of various reasons, that's going to cause a lot of stress on your skin as well. So by just sometimes simply removing a food or a common allergen can have a significant impact on your digestive health or your hormonal balance and through that also on your skin.
1: I know you've also recently expanded to the skincare market. Mm -hmm. And what I find interesting about all your skincare products is that they're all safe for consumption. So there's a kind of mask that is a powder that you can put in your coffee that has all sorts of beauty benefits, whether you put it on your skin or you ingest it. And my favorite is the serum. It smells amazing. It makes my skin so soft. And I can also put a drop in my coffee if I wanted to. It's just interesting because. I think we're so used to having skincare products that have so many chemicals in them that we don't even think, hey, maybe what I use as a basically a topical cream or a topical solution should be safe for consumption. Because the two ways that we tend to absorb products or solutions at home is through ingesting or by putting it on our skin since our skin is the largest organ in our body. So I'm just curious, how did you come up with that idea? What was it like formulating a product like that?
2: Yeah, both. I don't really put anything on my skin that I can also eat. So that partly comes from my personal behavior and understanding of nutrition, but also kind of the frustration that we saw from our customers and how to kind of use skincare products that are told that they're ecological and clean, but they ended up having polymers or plastics in them or other things that mess your hormones. So a lot of skincare products and makeup contain ingredients that definitely interfere with our natural hormonal balance so yeah that's where that came from and we launched our first two products a dual purpose product so you can both eat them and put them on your skin we have a mexican hot chocolate that is also a charcoal face mask and then we have a serum that also doubles as a daily wellness supplement at the end of the day they're meant for your skin but they're also safe enough and made from real foods like olive oil and yoba oil and avocado oil that you can also eat very safely. But at the end of the day, putting on the skin is kind of the main point, even though you can definitely also nourish your body internally by them. But yeah, that's the kind of inspiration of why we did the skincare and why we're trying to innovate unique ways how people can incorporate these extremely well-studied mushrooms and adaptogens to your daily life without much of a hassle. Because sometimes it can be kind of problematic to add new health routines to your diet and maintain them for months on end. So that's why having like a healthier coffee ritual, a healthier skincare serum can be an easier way to incorporate them to your daily life without much of a sacrifice.
1: So I heard you say something recently, and it's just stuck out to me ever since probably because it has to do with chocolate. (laughs) Well, I am a huge chocolate addict Mm -hmm. to the point that my husband actually has to hide any chocolate in the house. (laughs) But also there always has to be chocolate in the house. (laughs) And he gives me one square a day. Otherwise, I'll eat the whole thing in one sitting. Yeah. (laughs) But you said that if you're craving more than a piece of chocolate after eating it, it's probably not high quality chocolate. And this is a tip that I feel like might change my life. So tell me about that.
2: Obviously, sometimes your body is craving for it. So that was a little bit of a general statement. But for example, women, during your periods, you might need more magnesium and more micronutrients in your diet. And cacao has high amounts of things like iron and magnesium. So maybe that one piece a day is a little bit of an overstatement. But generally speaking, many chocolates on the market are designed to be hyper palatable. So they're designed to be addictive with certain level of sugar and fat, and that might not be the best for you. So I highly recommend buying as dark of cacao as you can and using things that don't have tons of sugar. And then also, obviously, some people will need more, but generally speaking, like one piece should be plenty to nourish the antioxidant polyphenol means that you have. But I know we've all been there you know, going through a whole chocolate bar in a day. We've all been there and it is fun, but i do not sure if you use low quality cacao, but if you feel that great afterwards or the next day.
1: Well, as someone so engulfed in the wellness space, I'm curious, what diet do you follow?
2: I don't ever answer that question. I get asked for pretty much every time. And the reason why I don't answer it is if I tell you this, somebody might, take that advice and try that way of eating and living themselves. And that might not be great for them. So what works for tarot might not work for Melissa or someone else, right? And also what works for tarot when tarot is 20 is not what works for tarot when tarot is 30 or 40. So I think when you talk about these diets, there's a lot of wisdom in each diet. But when you people apply them to their life without being a little more aware of your personalized needs, or your personal life situation, that's quite problematic. So what I would encourage people, whatever life situation you're on, or whatever your lifestyle is, is not to try to maintain the same diet 12 months of the year. Try to have seasonality within your diet. So historically, in the winter, when it was colder, we would eat a lot heavier. So we would eat more fats and protein. And springtime, we would fast, have some sort of a fast to cleanse our liver and kind of eat lighter. And then in the fall time and harvest time, we would binge on carbohydrates and like bulk up. So I highly recommend figuring out what's an annual schedule right for you that also aligns with your you know personal needs. Because if you have a really busy work season, you might have to eat differently than versus when you're on vacation in Italy or something like that. So just kind of adjusting your diet seasonally and to meet your daily needs is much more valuable and even want to care what some Finnish mushroom entrepreneur eats, you should figure out what works for you.
1: That's a really good point. I think so many of us beat ourselves up because we want to make some big dietary change. And then three weeks down the line, we're having these major cravings and we cave. We feel like it's not sustainable or maybe we are not the type of person that can stick to something. When really it could just be that maybe your lifestyle is different right now, or maybe the season has changed, or your hormones are in a different place. So I really love that point because I think we all just need to be easier on ourselves and tune into our bodies more. Really just ask ourselves on a moment-to-moment basis what we need and follow our own inner wisdom. The last thing I want to ask you today, since you have just found so much success, what is the legacy that you hope to leave?
2: I don't think it actually even matters. I'm of that philosophy that, you know, the time we have here is not going to make a huge impact, but we should still try. So what I'm trying to do is kind of spread the natural where people's awareness about and consciousness through dietary changes. So I think what I'm hopefully leaving is some level of increase consciousness about everything in life and through healthier nutritional choices. But I also don't expect that to happen, but I'm still gonna try. So I think mushrooms are a much smarter species or a kingdom that we understand. And they contain a lot of intelligence and wisdom that we've yet to fully understand. That's my belief. And I believe in their power to heal our body and our mind and hope to see more people giving a chance to mushrooms as a kingdom acknowledging that not all mushrooms are good for you but neither is all plants are not good for you some plants can actually kill you so same way with mushrooms and i hope more people would explore them beyond just the portabellas that you put on your pizza or pasta and kind of explore the more diversity and use cases that they offer
1: so thank you so much for coming on today and being such a fun guy. <laughs> Mushroom joke. I will be linking to your products, for Sigmatic, as well as your book, Healing Mushrooms, on the show notes page at mindlove.com slash 078. Other than that, where else can listeners find you online?
2: Well, first of all, you don't have to find me anywhere maybe just work on finding yourself. <laughs> and so no need to look for me in general. And if you are curious about mushrooms, there's a lot of great books and resources out there, both free and in printed format. So go into Amazon and looking for a mushroom book or an adaptogen book. Or There's a lot of great options. And same, there's a lot of information online, including what Four Sigmatic puts out there. So if you're interested in learning more about the health benefits of mushrooms and adaptogens, there's plenty of free and inexpensive sources online on amazon
1: just so listeners out there know this is a product i've been using long before i met tarot and i loved it so much that i actually reached out to ask for the sponsorship for this podcast that is
2: true that's the best way when somebody reaches out is like hey i love your product i drink it all the time i want to talk about it can we work together the first
1: time I met you, I actually remember coming up to you and saying, oh, hey, I drank you this morning. Yeah,
2: not creepy at all. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'll be real. I
1: aim for a little bit of
2: creep factor.
1: You got to do what you can to stand out these days. Yeah. So. If it's less than 20% creep,
2: it's fine. It's when you start to go over 20% creep anyway, it gets a little uncomfortable.
1: I proudly skate the border of that line.
2: Yeah, I think you were uh, 10% or under, so it's Okay. <laughs>
1: Okay, guys, don't forget, if you are inspired to get yourself some of this amazing. Four sigmatic mushroom coffee, or golden milk, or matcha latte, or there's so many flavors now. I can't even keep track. Don't forget to use the code MindLove for 15% off, and then send me some sort of proof of your order, whether it's a screenshot or an email, at MindLoveMelissa on Instagram, and you'll be entered to win one of five new MindLove mugs, and you get to pick which one is your favorite from shop.mindlove.com. And of course, feel free to just get yourself a mug on its own as well. Totally fine with me. Well, thanks for sharing this day with me on my birthday. I can't believe I'm 34. Wow, time is flying. Well, I better go celebrate, so you know the drill. Make sure to subscribe, and if you love Mind Love, please leave a five-star review. That really helps with the growth of the show. And of course, share it. Share with your friends, coworkers, family, somebody else that you think would love to up-level their mind a bit. Thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week.
0: Thanks for tuning into Your Higher Frequency with Mind Love
1: to mindlove.com
0: for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.